I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's tremendous episode. Got to have my friend, Dr. Laura Berman, on the show. Laura is a legend in the world of human sexuality. She's tremendous. She was the, I don't know what do you call it, sex coach, sex therapist, love therapist for uh, the Oprah Winfrey show. Have you guys heard of that? Um, and she's written all kinds of books. She's a New York Times bestselling author. Um, some of the books include Quantum Love, Loving Sex, The Book of Love, The Sex Bible. She's prolific. She's tremendous. Um, she's a, a doctor of philosophy, um, and she's just great. We recorded this inside of my sauna here in Santa Monica, California, and I think you guys are going to get a kick out of the conversation. We talked about anal sipping. Um, and semen retention and human connection, a lot of good stuff. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the website, alignpodcast.com, A L I G N podcast.com. On there, you can start the five day movement challenge where you learn some fundamental movements that I think that everybody ought to integrate into their daily existence. Alignpodcast.com is on the front page there. Um, Thank you all so much for reviews on iTunes. That truly helps this show spread. So if you all give a darn about people hearing the messages that are proliferated throughout this podcast, that's too much words. I'm sorry. Just leave a review if you care. Thanks. Um, I think we're probably pretty good to go. I really appreciate the people that have purchased the Align Method Online program. You can start seven-day free trial and you just check it out. Uh, start out six-week program breaking down how to unwind those unsightly patterns of staring into technology. So forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, hunchy spine, BS, collapse, arches of your feet, disengage glutes, all the things that nobody wants. Collapse at any level is collapse throughout the rest of the system. So we break down how to unwind that chisel and then how to move in such a way that it don't ever come back. I think we're good. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you, and I hope you devour this conversation. Pa-pow! Align Podcast. All right. So what the hell were we talking about? I don't know. Out there in the lawn? Sex, love, quantum love. Oh, we were talking about Anal yoni breathing. breaths, but we were calling Yoni but, breaths. But you don't have a yoni, so we're calling it a bony, because not for your penis, bony, right. but for your butt. My butt yoni. Yeah. Well, I've noticed, I've noticed anus clenching. Clenching. Yes. For years, yeah, I'll know. I'll, I'll like, I'll check back in. Yeah. I got my damn anus is clenched yeah. again. Yeah. Well, I'm so <laughs> glad you noticed because most people don't realize they're walking around the world tight-assed. And women, we clench both. In fact, when I teach women to do Kegel exercises, you know, which men can do too, you know, to stimulate the pelvic floor and to strengthen it. Um, I have to really work with them to learn to isolate the two because a lot of women, when they're doing Kegels, they're clenching both their butt and their yonis and they're not isolating the two. But what we were talking about outside that I was having you do was two things. One, the yoni breath, because this is really important for women, you know, vaginally, but for guys also with the butt and for women with the butt. But if you take a really deep breath in 
And then as you breathe out, you're kind of breathing out hard and you're opening it really wide. You're not pushing like you're pushing a poop or a baby out. You know, mm. you're you're opening as wide as you can and then resting it gently open. So you got you breathe in and you can even imagine light coming in through the top of your head and shooting out deep into the earth through the open yoni or bony as mm. we call it in your case. But you kind of go and as you breathe out, you open it, and then you just let it rest gently open. And I have found, and a lot of the spiritual teachers confirm this, that there's so much communication going on with the earth and, and information coming in and out and things we're releasing. And if you can rest gently open, you're much more grounded all day long but what i was starting to teach you when we were out on the street in the yard and i was doing this with you i was you. doing a deep tribal squat <laughs> in, tra awesome. in the middle of traffic it was awesome <laughs> i wanted you to do the sipping right so you can actually sip energy in your case up your butthole wow you can sip Jeez. energy from the earth so as you're <laughs> sitting on the ground you go almost like you're sipping a straw and you pull it up into your into your kind of sacral chakra area, like your belly. I'm doing it right now. And then as you breathe out, you imagine it intensifying there. Mm. And then as you sip up more, and then you breathe it and intensify it in the belly. It's mm. really cool. This is like kind of like Montauk Chia type stuff. Are you familiar with like no, the, like the? Sounds um, like something in the Hamptons. Are you are you familiar? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would be good for that. Do you know like the multi multiply orgasmic male and yes. all that all that yes. stuff? Well, testicle like breathing and, testicle. and yes, yes, all yes, the Taoist yes. sex practices. Yeah, of course. And all that stuff. The Tao. Yes, absolutely. So I the didn't... anus sipping. That seems like yes. one of those practices. Yes, and it is related to tantra, and you can start to circle that energy. Um, like you can pull it up your spine. That's a Taoist yeah. uh, meditation. You can pull it up your spine. Orbit. Yes, good boy. Microcosmic orbit. Yes. Mm. So you bring it up your spine and down your front, or up your front and down your spine, and it's really good to do during sex. Mm. I don't know if so how do we start connecting? I'm gonna f um, flash my more words that doesn't necessarily mean anything but so there's like the governor vessel and the conception vessel and that connection up the back and down the front mm -hmm. i think for myself you know a lot of people there's like a lot of disconnects along that chain yeah how do we make connects well from I the mean, front to the back i think the work that you do is a huge part of that the embodiment work of moving the body and being in the body but it's also i have found as someone who's not you know i'm a talking doctor as my kids will call me. I'm a therapist who works a lot with body workers and loves body work myself and believes in it. Um, but what I have found that I can counsel people to do is you do it without sex first. Like you just start practicing the breathing. You do it, you, you sip that earth energy up as you're sitting out on the ground or on the beach. And you just try to move it up to the middle of your spine mm. and then back down and then up to your neck and back down and then maybe over the top of your I find that if you can just get it over the top of the head it feels like it falls right down the front much more easily and I also have I have a lot of this in my book actually I have a whole chapter on quantum sex hmm. where I teach you how to start moving the sexual energy in this way but there's something you know there's the pelvic bowl down here right which is like your pelvis and you can actually start filling it with energy as it pulls up your spine and down the front it kind of flows down the front like a waterfall. And then you, as you're breathing out, 
like so you breathe it up the back and then as you're breathing out and then you just hold it there and so if you i find because sex is so loaded for so many people and also if you're doing it with another person it's even more loaded but if you're doing it on your own just as like a curious exercise you can start to get in the practice of what it feels like so for people that don't have a crystal collection what <laughs> what the hell are you talking about right. <laughs> right. well i mean that was really that you're talking to someone who didn't have a crystal collection until four or five years ago i mean i was really a concrete left brain therapist uh you know and i'm still a therapist but what i have found are you seeing me sweating in the sauna and you're turning it down, I'm turning on it down just you a haven't even broken a sweat and no, i'm like sopping wet it's because i'm not human i'm not even yeah, alive my, my soul is cold human. and dead like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> no wilting. it happens no that's the way it happens and all of a sudden i'll like won't sweat i'm sure i have some type of condition or something i won't sweat and then all of a sudden i'll just like Downpour Niagara Falls. It'll get awkward in a second. You'll see. You'll see. Well, I'm already there. Yeah. Let me look. Yeah. Um, you're also you're also wearing clothing. I know I am. Well, yeah, stuff. I can't say. I told you we were going to do the sauna. I, I wasn't even thinking. I mean, I figured this. Yeah, I should have not. I should have just come in a bathing suit. I don't so know so the so with the 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 building up yes, of, of the, the energy. energy and all so, stuff, so like, what the hell right, is so that? So here's the thing. Here's the basic principle, and I'm sure you've talked about this many times in different ways, but at, at our core, we are fundamentally all just vibrating atoms. That's all we are. Everything that seems solid is really just vibrating atoms, hmm. and that's vibrating energy. And what we now know from quantum physics in the past 50 to 75 years of scientific discovery is that our bodies hold an energetic frequency that is constantly shifting and changing based on our environment and the people around us and the thoughts and beliefs that we have. And so what I started to do and what led to my book and what we're talking about in part two is to start getting curious about it. First, it started because I wanted, as a couples therapist, I wanted to understand how we affect each other beyond words and actions, right? So I, I very quickly learned as I started diving into the science that, for instance, we take in 40 billion bits of information every millisecond into our brains, but we only consciously process 2,000 of them. That's why you can't do two conversations at the same time. <laughs> right. That's part of it. Yeah. But think about all we're taking in that we're not even conscious of. And the reason for that is fundamentally our five senses. We're limited by our five senses. And if we took in everything, we would be insane. Like mm. we would see too much. We would feel Probably. too much. We would understand too much. So, you know, from a metaphysical level People who work in this world say, you know, we need that veil for our sanity. People who have had near-death experiences like Anita Morjani. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I love her book, Dying to Be Me. That mm. is someone you should have on the podcast. Yeah, check her out. Um, but she talks, she died and came back, and she so beautifully talks. One of the metaphors she describes trying to explain what she learned on the other side is that it's like, she said, living in our bodies is like being in a pitch black warehouse where all you can see is where you can shine your flashlight, which is basically our five senses, what we can perceive with our flashlight, right? Yeah. But when you leave your body, you're no longer contained to that. And she said, it's like the lights turned on in the warehouse <laughs> and you could see everything and understand everything <laughs> that our little bodies can't really take in and understand. And so 
that was the beginning of the journey for me. And I started to play with, okay, so sitting, like even right now, your, really, your energy, which you, I think, know is really good. So I don't need to entrain you to me. But normally, or very often in my day, I am entraining people's energy to me. Right. Which you're probably doing, not even realizing you're doing, because we are all energetic human tuning forks that are constantly matching each other. So we now know that the energy that is our body emanates out. They've been able to measure it up to 30 feet. Yeah. So when you're in a room with people, everyone's finding the happy medium and matching in some common denominator, unless there's one person in the room who's really firmly holding their energy. It's interesting that the heart goes out a lot further than yes. the brain. Yes. So they do the Heart Math Institute. Yes, and, and the Heart Math the Institute has measured off. that. Yes, and getting into the heart is part of really quantum love and getting into what I call home frequency. You, at least during our conversations today, I don't know how you are at your worst moments, but you, I can feel people's energy, and you are a home, you're in home frequency. Mm. Like what did you call it? In home? In home frequency. It's really our natural state. Well, we are at my house. Yes. <laughs> in my and sauna. And you're half dressed in your sauna. My, my cold plunge. This is my, this is my habitat. This is your cave, right. <laughs> well, you are in home frequency. But like if I go to an, a meeting. Um, and like we a, just did yes, body work just stuff. Did body work. Which is my, that's my stadium. Yes. You know, that's like my, so the, all those things are partially by design. In right. My, in my part. Right. You know, putting making making you comfortable is, is yes. kind of like underlying intentions trying to yes. help and create value for you and you know all that but it also puts us into a place of like oh this is like my home right and in training us because what you're maybe unconsciously doing is that if you think about two atoms right um or which is basically what we are we're constantly matching each other and so for someone like me historically long ago who tends to be codependent by mm. nature I would always just match the energy of the room. If you were upset, I would start getting upset. Right. You know, if you were angry, like I would start getting angry or worried or scared. Like I would match. And we now know, you know, based on a lot of scientific re research and even David Hawkins, I don't know if you're familiar with him, this map of consciousness that they've created where you can see the energetic frequency of different emotional states. Mm. So like shame oh. and guilt is the lowest frequency where, you know, bliss and joy is the highest. And what we now know, this is like the secret behind the secret, because I can write myself a check for a million dollars. But if I'm not energetically in the emotional state as if I already have a million dollars, it's not going to manifest. So because what we now know, and this is what the big experiments in quantum physics showed, that like, for instance, you know, they were doing this experiment, which was like the big famous experiment in quantum physics, where they were shooting um, uh, sort of energy through these slits and they were trying to see electrons really they were trying to see do they turn the, do they turn into waves or particles mm. and you didn't know when you shot it through the slit what was going to happen and it was really random and they couldn't figure it out until they realized that the researchers expectations of whether it was going to be a particle or a wave determined whether it was a particle or a wave mm. so now when quantum physicists do their experiments they leave the room so that their beliefs and expectations won't taint the results. Yeah. I think that's been a little bit 
the double slit experiment. I think there's been like I don't remember the specific details. I have to re-research it. Like the way that it's portrayed in uh, what is the movie called? What the bleep? Yeah, what the bleep? I think that the way that they portrayed it in that, from what I've heard on on other different like podcasts, and and whatnot, it's a little skewed. I I don't know. I'm not smart enough to describe it right now. But I recommend people looking into that because it's really freaking interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I wrote a whole chapter about this in my book because it's not just that research. There's so much research out there, and we now and you know this already from your life that where intention goes, energy flows, that when you set an intention that, you know, and you're in your body and your brain don't know the difference between rehearsal and reality, mm. right? So if you get yourself in the emotional state of that which you most desire as if it's happening right here, right now, more often than not, it's like, I call it putting an order into the cosmic waitress. Like all of a sudden that will show up for you, mm. you know? And most of us are doing that unconsciously. But when you can start to do it consciously in your relationship, and this is, so I remember the time that I really kind of woke up to this, and this is what the beginning of the book was for me, is I was with my husband, who is super smart and very stubborn. And um, I can't win an argument with him to save my life, especially if it's a debate. And so uh, he was annoyed. Something was going on. He was upset. and We were talking. And normally I would be kind of listening to respond. You know how we do that? Like I'm listening. I'm upset at, you know, your partner or whatever. And then you're listening. You're thinking, well, I didn't say that. And, you know, you're ready to retort, right? That's like two monologues. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of doing that. I remembered what I'd been learning about all this, and I moved myself into home frequency, which is this open-hearted, coherent, energetic state. And I moved my body into that, which I learned how to do, had learned how to do. And then I just had these loving thoughts like, okay, there you are yelling at me, you know, about this thing and upset about it. And I maybe think that you're wrong, but the truth is this is a blip in the screen of our lives together. And I really love you. Now I'm not saying any of that to him. He's not even really looking at me because he's walking around the deck talking and upset, but I'm in this energetic state. And all of a sudden this man who never loses his train of thought lost it and sat down next to me and just kind of sat there, kind of looking a little stunned. And I was flabbergasted by that because that never happens to him. And that was the beginning of me really starting to try to understand that. And then I kind of created a system for moving into these frequencies in your relationship. And what is it really, this energy that we can move through us? And can we harness that energy? And use it even sexually, which is like seven chakra orgasm type stuff. You know, Mm. really cool. Mm. Um, So I've been having an amazing time with that. How does a person start getting control of their... um, Frequency? Yeah. Yeah, I try to avoid using the word energy as much as I can just because I think that it's, it's potentially puts a certain percentage of like the world off. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know. I mean, as someone who is like, a, you know, I have two masters and a PhD in scientific fields. I'm like a hardcore researcher. I'm a hardcore scientist. And I was in the closet a really long time with this kind of speak. And now... At this point, like, I don't even care. I'm all pro all that stuff. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, I think it's, it adds an interesting challenge of like, how, how can one describe 
It's like if you ask a definition of words, like you, but you can't use the word. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, well, that's like when I, I go on TV and I'm not out. allowed to say orgasm. Oh, right. I'm like, what am, I supposed like what, to, what am I supposed to say? And they're like, that special place. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm supposed to say that special place? Okay. Um, but anyway, yes. So basically, if you just think about, we can feel, if you just think about your moods, right? Like, think about the fact that when you sometimes are thinking about someone and all of a sudden they call, right? Mm-hmm. Or you walk into the house and you already know your partner's in a bad mood before you even talk to them, yeah. right? Like we're doing this already. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that you start to kind of get clear is first of all, to kind of get clear on what I call your energetic profile. So you start to get really clear on what it feels like in your body and, and then I kind of call it this biofeedback sort of exercise, but this is how I learned it. You know, think about something, just get really quiet, sort of ground yourself Think about something that worries you or upsets you or a problem in your life Hmm. and notice the constriction, right? Notice what it feels like, especially around here in your body. And then think about something anytime in your life, even made up when you felt unadulterated, unbelievable, all encompassing love, you know, or joy you know maybe it was when you climbed that mountain or did the finish line or held your baby for the first time or kissed or had that orgasm or had that best orgasm of your life whatever it was we have to bleep that out we do no okay good Just orgasm 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 we bleep out energy <laughs> <laughs> so if you get into that state right as if it's happening right here right now in your imagination that orgasm that mm-hmm. baby kissing whatever that is right if you get there in your mind your body will follow and you will feel the difference so what i started to do as i was learning this is that i would do this biofeedback i'd move into it would feel like a bubbling opening in my chest when i would be in home frequency like thinking about those things really any state of being from curiosity up mm. right So if we were 51% of the time trying to hold a place of curiosity, optimism, forgiveness, openness, hopefulness, love, joy, um, if we could just be in that place 51% of the time, it's amazing what changes. Do you like anchor yourself to these things? You use like neurolinguistic programming terms? Because it seems like you're already yes. using those terms. Well, I, I do all of it. I mean, I think you could add your own processes to this with what with all that you know. Yeah. How would one anchor themselves in that? And what the hell does that mean? Well, you provide a cue, yeah. right? So like I want, you know, I did hypnotherapy for a while. I did a little bit of training, but I wouldn't call myself a hypnotherapy, but a hypnotherapist. But we would do like a, you know, a trigger. Like, so if you do this with your finger, you know, an emotion with your fingers, or you cross your, you know, you do something when you're in that state to provide a mind-body cue. Mm. But what I find, and what I found for myself and with all the people I've been teaching, is that if you just practice, it's like constrict, open, constrict, open, like you're literally ping-ponging yourself back and forth, I can move myself into home frequency without thought now. Where for a long time, until I sort of practiced it, you know, I'd have to think about that thing that would put me into that state, right? But then you get to the point where you can just do it. And so when I go into a room and I'm like, you know, I'm in a meeting or a business meeting and 
it's clear that one, you know, that I'm just thinking of one woman in particular, <laughs> you know, is nasty or condescending or difficult or, you know, having a bad day. If I just hold my frequency of curiosity, openness, even, and I'm not attaching to what's going on over there, I'm just holding my frequency, she immediately, whoever it is, they just match you mm. because that's our instinct. But what most of us do is that we're the one matching other people. Right. And when you do it in your relationship, it's like a Jedi mind trick for your relationship. Hmm. I mean, I have three sons and a husband, none of whom think they listen to me, but they all do exactly what I want because I just move into the frequency that You're I want the them vibe. to be. I'm setting the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So for what were you doing with the, the whole Oprah Reality, you're doing relationship counseling, yeah. I mean, I've been a sex, love, and relationship therapist for decades, and I have had a long media career. I did um, my first show was on Discovery Health, it was a nightly kind of talk show about sex, love, and relationships. And then I had a show on sexual called Sexual Healing on Showtime, uh, with the Gantz brothers. Remember from Taxi Cab Confessions, mm. uh, that was a lot of fun. And then, and that was like a whole bunch of couples who lived in one house together. And then I like did these crazy interventions on them. And then I became Oprah's kind of relationship, sex, love person. How'd you do that? Um, you don't, you can't do it with Oprah. They do it to you. You know what I mean? Like for me, um, I was living in Chicago. I had, um, I've always done radio. Uh, I had a radio gig, like a thing I would do every Friday on local radio where I would take calls. And I think I had a few little local television things I was doing. This was not long after I moved to Chicago. And one of her producers heard me and or used to listen to me on Fridays. And she would never touch sex. She did not want to talk about sex. In fact, the first time I went on her show, she told me, like, I would never have done this except of the demand of the viewers. Like it was finally, yeah. she couldn't deny. People are so interested. Yeah. Sex and drugs. Yeah. Anything so, that's shadowed. Right, we're right. like, tell me more. Right. Well, Please. it's because they're, they don't want it to be in the shadow. They want, you know, and for whatever reason, it's always been easy for me to talk about. So when they decided to do a show on sex, they called me and then that became a relationship. And it was right around the time that she was launching own. Are you seeing me sweating? You're trying to be nice and no, 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 not at all. I'm I'm seeing this this the oh, oh. this stuff creep up right. into potentially getting onto the camera territory. No, it's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're in a sauna right now. If people haven't figured that out, I'm sure they have by now. Like I'm Just alluding to this oh sweaty room that's my living room. I know. <laughs> I'm such a sport. Look at me. Uh, but it is really it. nice in here. Yeah, I good. would like an infrared sauna it's in a my studio. backyard. It's a sound studio. Yeah, yeah, it is a sound studio. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So anyway, that was how the Oprah thing started. And then she launched OWN. And I what had was your reaction when own. you got when you're like, Oprah wants you to be their relationship person? Were you freaking out? Were you yeah, like, I was whatever? Thrilled. No, I was not whatever. Yeah. I was thrilled. Yeah. Um, and like a kid in a candy store. And it was so much fun. And I had a radio show on her radio, satellite radio station for three years, a, an afternoon show um, and two shows on OWN. But um, and then that sort of slowed that actually kind of started to slow down. And then I got breast cancer and I totally had to stop my life oh. and um, heal myself from that. But that was actually the entree to what became quantum love, which was really a complete shift 
in the trajectory of my career, and it's been amazing. What are your thoughts on how the manifestation of something like cancer occurs in the body? Is there any ties to things beyond uh, just like... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, look, I have yet to meet a woman with breast cancer, and please forgive me for saying this. I do not mean this in a disrespectful way as a fellow warrior and survivor. You let the whole world suck off your tits hmm. and don't nurture yourself enough. Like, that's the fundamental core issue in almost every woman I've ever met. She overgives to everyone around her in order to feel safe, in order to feel of service, in order to get love, whatever story she's telling herself, and under cares for herself, often isn't even in her body. And, um, and cancer in general, I think, having been someone who survived it, um, is an amazing gift. I mean, it would be better if we didn't have to have it to get the gifts, yeah. but you know, that's what they're talking about when they say the gift of cancer is that it's a major life shift if you accept the invitation. Mm. But so is every, I mean, that was my, like for me, my mother, who was like my sole person, died rather suddenly from breast cancer. It had come back. And then, and that, and then within a year, I had breast cancer in the same breast. I mean, come on. Wow. And I was young. You know, I was in my 40s. Were you contemplating death at that point? Was it like, or was it, was it like, you're definitely going to survive this kind of thing? <sighs> yes and no. I mean, I, I never really, I mean, I definitely had those dark moments, but I was always really optimistic. I think for me, what was really weird and what freaked me out and freaked the doctors out is that not only did I have no genetic markers and my mother's breast cancer was not, you know, at a young age, which means it wasn't necessarily because of her, you know, genetically related. Yeah. But it, the kind of cancer it was, was an extremely aggressive kind called HER2-positive cancer, which was really unusual in a case like mine. And, um, and I'd had a mammogram the year before, which was totally clear. And then within a year, one breast was just riddled with cancer all over it in the same breast that she had. Um, and so, you know, it was a big... It wasn't so much that I thought I would die, but I'm sure I, I did at times, but it was more the fact that my life, like how often do you get to completely stop your life yeah. as an adult? I mean, just stop everything. Yeah. Not do anything, but like breathe and take care of yourself. And then my family, my kids especially started falling apart around me. Because they lost, they were young, and they'd lost their grandmother, who they were really close to, and now I had cancer, and they were, con you know, they all too many existential questions in second and third year grade minds, and right. they started having anxiety, and in that search is how I stumbled upon quantum love. So, how do you define quantum love, and how did it relate to the search during cancer? Well, like I, so here's how it happened. I had tried everything, like my normal things as a therapist mom, you know, take them to therapy. They have anxiety there. One was having panic attacks and refusing to go to school. One was having these phantom illnesses. One was suicidal. And so, you know, taking them to the therapist, looking at medications, having the, the evaluations, you know, trying everything that I knew in my more traditional environment to do. And none of it was working, especially with my oldest son who had had cancer himself as a young child. He had leukemia. Oh. And so he was the one that was suicidal. And I didn't know how to help him. I tried everything. And out of desperation, 
a friend of mine referred me to this like medium psychic and I'd never been to one before. I didn't know what the hell it was. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what to expect. And I went and she's like, okay, you know, I'm going to tap into his energy now. I'm thinking, okay, well, he's at school. That'll be interesting. You know, I'm going to ask his permission. You know how they say that? I'm going to ask his permission. And then she like opens her eyes and says, oh, he's Claire Sentinent. And I didn't know what that meant. She explained it that in his case in particular, I mean, clairsentience is when is like a kind of clairvoyance, right? But it's where you feel yeah. what other people are feeling. But in his case, she said, he feels what everyone else is feeling, but he can't tell. He thinks it's him that's feeling those feelings. So he, you know, if you're angry, he's going to feel your anger and then think he's the one that's angry. And it explained so much because that he was like an ungrounded electrical cord. He would be like happy one minute, freaked out the next. I mean, he was all over the place. And so I was like, wow, okay, that's interesting. She said, look, if you just go and tell him what I said, I'm thinking there's no way. I mean, this kid like studies physics and told me recently that I'm a 40 year old woman looking for meaning and self-help books and, you know, to keep that stuff away from him. Like, there's no way he's going to accept this. Um, she said, just tell him what's going on and then offer to give him a grounding hug where you imagine sending love and energy of love and protection into his heart from yours and ground him and be very, very careful about your emotional states when you walk into the room with him because he will pick them up and it'll make him ping pong all over the place. Mm. And so when he came home from school, I was like, okay, Ethan, you know, this is what, and he looked at me and he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think what you're saying is true. And that shocked me. And then I was like, okay, well, let me give you How old is he at this point? He was in ninth grade. Okay. Where, you know, your mom's wrong about everything. Yeah. Right? And then um, I said, well, let me give you this grounding hug. And he, this boy just like totally melted. Wow. And then I was like, okay, what's, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay. And then I don't say another word because God forbid I'm into something and he'll, you know, because they'll reject it if the mom is because i'm a loser you know (laughs) and so i didn't say another word and then about a week later he comes home and he's like you know i was at my locker today and i was feeling pretty good you know in a good mood and then all of a sudden i was so angry and depressed and i didn't know why and i looked up and there was a girl a few lockers down from me and i realized oh she must be angry and depressed Mm. and then that like changed the trajectory of his life like he started to really harness it understand it and as i and then i needed to understand it and that's so quantum love is ultimately that key element of being really conscious of your energetic states because you are affecting everyone and everything around you including your reality yeah and and the higher you're you know you think about frequency like a radio dial right there's the old-fashioned radio dials you have your station and you have the volume And the more you can like hold those energetic states, even of hopefulness and optimism, the more positively things change around you. Yeah, you feel it with people all the time. All the time. You know, there's like some, like, uh, it's like you're the product of the the five people you spend the most time with. Like you end up, you connect and Mm -hmm. resonate with certain specific people. And there's sometimes, you know, when you like meet somebody at the grocery right. store or whatever you're like oh I my god let's you. exchange whatever yeah. we're gonna be this is great and then 35 other people you'd be like i you know probably never see that person right. again right that's part of it you're recognizing people and i i was even saying you know it was kind of what i was talking to you about earlier today with moving back to la 15 years later my vibration for lack of frequency 
is so different than it was 15 years ago when I lived here. Yeah. And I was talking to my husband about this the other day because the people in L.A. haven't changed, really, from 15 years ago. I mean, they're similar types, similar sure. looks, similar There's a whatever. reason you come here in the first yes. place and a reason you stay. Yes. Yeah. And I have lived here almost a year now. And it's like I don't I haven't seen the only people that I see and meet are people that are like minded. Like it's really weird to right. me. But it makes sense because the only thing we can per and this is what quantum physics has shown as well, the only thing that we can perceive with our five senses are things that are vibrating in the in a harmonic frequency to ours. Right. So you're not going to really be able to connect with or even notice someone who's, you know, who's at a much higher frequency or much lower frequency than you. And so that's why sometimes people will just drop out of your life, like all of a sudden, you know, like just kind of feel because you're no longer vibrating in harmony with them. Hmm. How does this relate to, to sex? Oh, um, well, several ways. First of all that the energy of sex, you know, especially, and I say this to women, it's true for men too, but you take in the energy of your partner when you have intercourse. So there is sort of like an energetic hangover. I think even at a DNA level as well, there's oh, yeah. some fancy word for it. If like, I, I, I would remember, imagine that the guy has to be, be coming inside the girl. I would think right for that to be the for case that to happen. But there you like take on, there's a, there's a beautiful yes. word for it. Yes. I'm I hope trouble people message too. me on the yeah, Instagrams or whatever. I'm really curious what it is. Um, but yeah, there's, there's actually like some yeah. entwining yes. that happens. Yeah. Absolutely. You carry that person with you throughout you your do. life. And the operation. energy of that person. And I, you know, I've actually, I have a line of sexual aids and devices that I've had for several years. Um, but I now have added a rose quartz wand because, for the yoni, for the yoni, because, and I take women through this process. I have this meditation I give them and these bath salts. And it's like this process of releasing because rose quartz is very, you know, absorbs energy of like releasing that energy of the past, whether it's trauma or a partner or a, a nasty partner or like whoever it was to release that. So that's sort of the, the downside. The upside is in dating and in love and in calling love in, like one of the things that I say to women, and I talk to women in particular, but men too, who are looking for love. And I tell them like, okay, you can have your little list of, you know, shared vision of the future. You, you know, you can even have a small list of like physical or financial qualities you want them to have. Although let's put that on the back burner. What you most need is to get really, really clear about how you want to feel in love when that love exists for you as if it's happening right here right now so like i you know for me you know i would say passion uh feeling passionate feeling cherished feeling playful you know joyful connected right like though if i were looking for love right that's if i could just come off the top of my head five things and then the key are you looking for love no i mean i mean i have a husband i'm always looking for platonic love but cool. now i have a husband i love right. who meets them but when i need him to show up more with those needs which sometimes you know let's face it 15 years married you know you can take your hands off the wheel <laughs> i do this same thing as i advise single people to do and what you do is you start moving your body into the energy of those emotional states that you most desire so like if i were dating let's say and looking for more playfulness, which is usually the place that my husband and I take our hands off the wheel because life is so serious and busy. 
I start looking for ways, separate from him even, to insert more playfulness in my life. You know, like if there's a laughter yoga class or if there's something really dorky I have an opportunity to do, I will do it. And I'll start looking for opportunities and to move my body into the frequency of playfulness, A, because it feels good, and B, because the universe always rises up to match the frequency I'm putting out, always. <laughs> so whatever I want to create, I think about the feeling it's going to give me, and I move myself into that feeling literally and meditation-wise as much as possible. And then it just shows up more and more, and more playful people come in. And my husband gets more playful with me, and it just all happens i quite like that yeah so you're focusing on the sensation focusing yeah. on like the and, and are you uh, so would you be intentionally creating that sensation in yourself and like meditating yes. on it type thing that's where the like okay so you think in the for following the playful vein right think of a time in your life where you were feeling that playful, amazing energy, maybe with a partner, maybe not, right? Or maybe just make something up in your mind. And, but you're there in your mind as if it's happening right here, right now. And that will literally, your body can't help but move into the frequency of that mm. energy because it doesn't know you're imagining it, mm. right? I mean, you know that from your body work. If you're thinking about an anxious thought, your body doesn't know you're not fighting the saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your body's stuck in dirt. Certain, like if you're stuck in like the startle reflex, right. for example, you can see, and that's even tied into the the uh, autonomic nervous system. Like, Without getting overly dorky about it, there's like specific nerves, five mm -hmm. cranial nerves up around your neck, and they're controlling like the facial muscles mm -hmm. and the trapezius muscles that like, pull your neck up. And when those muscles are in a chronically contracted state... <gasps> Like right. literally just think if you get scared, your shoulders go up right. and you have the, you have this like shocked, contracted face, facial right. expression. That's all tied in, bootstrapped into your autonomic nervous system function. Right. Right. And so if that's disrupted, then at a, at a deep right. visceral level, you're kind of in this place of like fight, flight, prepare mm -hmm. for attack. And, and so you can see that when people's physical body. And you will also see that same person who shows up with that physical body is going through their life with shit happening to them all the time. Yeah, it's interesting how we attract those things. But that's the that's the frequency they're in of the world isn't a, a friendly place, bad things happen to me. And then it keeps fucking happening. That's quantum physics at work. That's mm. literally the way the universe works. We are all in this energetic soup together. We're all energy. There's that's why there's no separation between me and you because or any of us because we're all just. Well, even less inside this damn box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're still not. Oh, you're starting was, to sweat a little. A bit. little bit. It's pretty low compared to what I oh usually do here. Oh my god, this here. is low. Holy yeah. yeah. It's only 113 degree. Well, it's, it's infrared, <laughs> so it's a little different. It's like penetrating. Yeah. That's a sex bun. Yeah, Speaking of penetration, how does this relate to penetration and some more of like the, the oh, graphic well, the aspects of sexuality? Oh, is amazing. I love teaching couples tantra, especially like some of the stuff we were doing with the yoni breaths and squeezing the pelvic floor and accessing the pelvic floor. Um, teaching men about, you know, Tantra is really a bit, Sting made it famous, you know, about the 24-hour orgasm, right? Mm. But basically what you're doing as a man to have a really long orgasm or maintain an erection if you're older than 18 post-orgasm is retrograde ejaculation. So mm -hmm. basically you're squeezing it up into your bladder rather than out your penis. And um, that's 
one of the fundamentals of Tantra, but it, for, the for the penetration piece and the 24-hour orgasm. In fact, women who have, um, you know, because women can ejaculate too. Yeah. And they have found that, in fact, all women ejaculate. But most women, because only about it's thought that only about thirty percent of they women do ejaculate, ejaculate. are retrograde ejaculators. Sly devils. I know, <laughs> and that's part of the reason we don't have a refractory period like men do, and we're capable of multiple orgasms. Women who ejaculate have a harder time with multiple orgasms. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, how does a woman start? Does a woman want to? Uh, ejaculate like outwardly is that like beneficial for various reasons or any um, reasons or you know, is she rather I don't hold know. it in? I don't think it matters. I, I those women who do ejaculate or do both say that the ejaculatory orgasm is more intense. Some partners love it and like get off on the idea of their partner ejaculating. Other people are totally freaked out and don't want it to happen. So you know it depends on you and your partner, but you can learn to do it. It's How do you learn to do it? Well, it's basically, I mean, if you're an ejaculator, like as a guy, this won't make sense to you because, you know, it's just not in your makeup to do. Uh, you have to learn to do what the women who aren't ejaculating are doing, which is basically most women as they're coming close to orgasm and as they're having orgasm are squeezing really hard. Hmm. And to have an, to ejaculate, you literally have to push out at the point of orgasm. You're like pushing Hmm. And it pushes the ejaculate out. Hmm. Is the practice of circulating the the the, uh, the energy up, <laughs> going up like the sacral pump and yeah. going up through the back and the you know this microcosmic yeah. orbit and the whole thing, getting it to go up to the top of the head? And is that the same with a woman and a man? Yeah. In fact, you can circle the energy. So my husband, who you know, I jokingly call, he knows this. I call him Senor Root Chakra because he's like so pragmatic, you know, yeah. and very practical, and looks at me like I'm crazy half the time when I'm talking about this stuff. But he's also my a great guinea pig because he doesn't believe in any of this stuff, right? Oh, good. And he doesn't know what I'm doing, and I won't tell him. So like sometimes when we're having sex, um, one of my like, and I'll teach women this too, is I, I call it the pink sparkly vagina. Like I'll make my vagina into like a tornado. I'll put all my consciousness into the vagina. <laughs> this is hilarious that I'm talking about this in Asana. And I'll get it circling and like pink sparkly circling all around his penis. And he, I love this. And he goes crazy. He, like, he has no idea what I'm doing and doesn't believe in this stuff. And he responds every single time I try something. Or I'll start breathing energy down through the top of my head and sending it into his penis. And like, you know, because for a man, you're like, if you're engaging with someone, energy comes in through your genitals and out through your heart. And for women, it comes in through our heart and out through our genitals. That's why, you know, it explains in a large part what I call the sex romance stalemate in heterosexual relationships because men achieve a sense of emotional closeness through the physical act of sex. Yeah. And women are inspired to be sexual in a long-term relationship when they feel the emotional closeness, right. right? So if while you're having sex, you can circle this energy, right? So she's sending energy to your penis. You're sending it out from your heart into her heart. From her genitals into your genitals. So should one it's or two circle. focus on this circle as they're having intercourse? That's 
amazing if you can do that. But I think this is one of the things I love about quantum love, quantum sex, tantra, some of these things is that, you know, as a couples therapist, so often couples, one of them doesn't want to come in or one of them isn't ready to come in. And like, how do you do couples therapist with just one of you? All of this, if just one of you does it, everything changes. Hmm. So you don't even need your partner like you to have, know. You have the lantern. Yeah. You, you once need one you person change have a flashlight. your frequency, they will match it. Right. They always will. And as you start moving, I mean, you can tell them what you're doing. And if you can get their buy-in and they can play with you with that, that's even more powerful. But you can do it yourself and your partner will feel it. Hmm. And I remember when I first discovered this, because I'm always experimenting on the poor guy, um, I was bringing the energy down and I was sending it into his penis. And I was just doing it to see what would happen with him, you know? Like, I thought it would be fun for me and I was enjoying the sexual experience, but it didn't even occur to me that it would do anything to my arousal. I thought it was going to do more to his because I was just bringing the energy in and sending it to him. But then what I realized is that it did a lot to me. Because as that energy was moving through me, it was really moving in there. So it didn't just like move through me to him. It moved through me, affected me, and into him. So what's a starting point for someone to start tinkering with these ideas? Well, I think step one is just to practice grounding, right? Like just to breathe in, you know, sit with your feet on the floor and imagine like a beautiful light, any color that you know resonates with you in this moment or whatever moment you're doing it you breathe in the energy the light through the top of your body and imagine it as you breathe out flowing through filling every cell and breathing out making deep deep roots into the earth and just do like several just to feel what that feels like to be really grounded and then practice what i call the open-hearted meditation which will move your body into home frequency in fact, I have all these meditations on my website. If you cool. go to drlaurabermancom backslash quantum love, there are guided meditations there. There's Sweet. like a link to meditations, and I take Perfect. you through it. Dope. And then what's next? More like so with, actually that, with, with, like actually getting... with, a, with a partner. You're actually having intercourse. Yeah, and then you start practicing. With, like you can practice it in your daily life, but if we're talking about sex, you practice it on your own. I always advise that when you're experimenting with something new, do it on your own first, like with self-stimulation, just to kind of get the vibe and get the, get the logistics down. How long should a masturbation session be for a guy? Well, the average... 45 seconds, what do you think? <laughs> the average guy takes about seven and a half minutes to reach orgasm, and the average woman about 20. So there is, if you're talking about heterosexual couples, an arousal gap universally. And so if you are a man who wants to last longer, it's really important not to get lazy with your masturbation. You, you know? start training that you train it and you can train it through the stop start technique you know where you you so you get you let's say 10 is the point of you know what we call ejaculatory inevitability you know the point of no return yeah. right so that's 10 you get yourself to a seven and then you either stop the stimulation or slow down the stimulation and you get yourself back down to a four and then back up to a seven and back down to a four, seven, four, seven, four, seven. What four. about for for men that go seven, four, nine, four for you know a second, nine? Like it's just like as yeah. soon as it's in contact, it's like well, that's oh God. where the training has to come in. So you increase, you know, you you're doing that on your own, and you start to feel using your Kegel muscles and your breath and grounding energy. 
you start to f- gain confidence in your control. Mm. Do you recommend any things of like the contracting the toes, contracting the hands, any specific breath work or anything um, like that? Breath work, breathing, deep breaths are really good. And uh, Kegel exercises are really, really good. Those muscles that stop the flow of urine and learning, strengthening those for both men and women is amazing. For men, it helps with staying power. For women, it helps with the intensity of the orgasms and the ability to have them. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not, I don't mind distraction, you know, the old thinking about the baseball, baseball analogy, yeah. but Grand, I would grandma, rather grandma you, yeah, or dead babies or, yeah. look, but that's yeah, what that's, I think about. That's when gotta I, be a problem. I know. You start wiring those two. Yeah. You don't want to do like, uh, uh-uh. but I mean, I get it <laughs> if on desperate circumstances can call for desperate measures, but I, I don't like distraction just from the standpoint of, I want you to stay present in your body Yeah. the whole time. So if you can just start learning to master that on your own, half the, half the battle with not just erectile dysfunction, but with early ejaculation, and you wouldn't think this, is anxiety. Totally. In yeah, both cases. Yeah. And so if you can gain confidence in your own control and really learn to master it on your own, um, then you can start to master it with a partner. And you're getting yourself back down to a four maybe by focusing on her. Hmm. Right. Just pulling out a little bit and doing other things to her and then or maybe you're just slowing down. Why do you think that is that it's that both are, are anxiety? Is there different flavors of anxiety, perhaps, that would affect like ED versus premature ejaculation? Um, well, it's interesting because you wouldn't think about the premature, right? Like because basically anxiety constricts your, you know, causes blood flow constriction. Yeah. So you would think it would cause erectile dysfunction. Right. But I think it works similar to a panic attack. It's more mental in the premature ejaculation because the first time it, ha- you know, just like with a panic attack, the first time someone has a panic attack, it's usually random. Like they weren't feeling it coming. They didn't know. They thought they were dying. You know, it was this whole thing. But then every time they have a panic attack after that, it's because they're panicking that they're going to have a panic attack. Totally. You have the pressure of the previous in relation to the... And so with the early ejaculation, that expectation, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Am I going to fail? What is she or he going to think? What's going to happen? You know, is is almost, it's the equivalent of, of the panic attack that you're bringing on. And so sometimes, you know, if you really have an issue with that and the training, you can train yourself and then when you're with someone else, that all goes out the window. You know, you have to have a trusted partner often. Right. All your plans go out the window, you get punched in the yeah. face. Yeah, when you're, right. <laughs> yeah. Your whole plan to fight, you're yeah. like, you can't have it go. Yeah. Throw an elbow and a knee to the... Right, and then it all goes <laughs> out boom. the window. Oh, God. Yeah. It's all yeah. falling apart. That's right. So you have to like practice it and not beat yourself up. And remember that only 30% of women reach orgasm through intercourse. It's all the other stuff that most women reach orgasm through. So, you know, if you only last 30 seconds, do other things to her. Mm. What about for women that are, so for women, the issue more often than not would be not achieving an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Even the word achieving probably is, is adding to that yes, issue. Yes, for sure. And what adds to it more than anyone else, anything else is the pressure from the partner, which is the good news and the bad news. That's a very masculine way to describe achieving orgasm. I'm such a dick. I know. You are a dick. God dang oh, it. just kidding. God dang it. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. But it's, you know, it's coming from a sweet place. Like these guys, I call it the mercy fake because that's what women do. He's trying so hard. It's so important to him to get you there. Yeah. And you know it's not going to happen, so you mercy fake. Right. You know, throw him a bone and fake it. But, like, that's not the answer. 
because then you're given credit where credit isn't due. But more importantly, you get into this pattern. I can't tell you how many couples I work with. Like, and, and then she's been lying all these years about having orgasms. Now she's starting to resent it and wants to do something about it. But how does she tell him that she's been faking, you know, he's going to be feel so bamboozled. And like, what else have you, you're such a good yeah. liar. What else have you been lying to me about all these years? So we have to get them past that before we can even get to the orgasm. Um, but I think, you know, men need to understand, and I did nas- a big national survey on what the most sexually satisfied women had in common. And it wasn't, or orgasms were great when they happened. Was it that they're African? Or from another place that's not Western culture? No. The Doesn't most, have more pressure? Yeah, maybe. No, this was an American study. Yeah. All Americans. Um, the most sexually satisfied women, orgasms were great if they happened. That was not the key. It was the connection they felt with the person they were having sex with. And most women will tell you they don't have an orgasm every time. It depends on their cycle, their mood, their distractions, their way they're feeling about their body. Um their hormones, any number of things. But they won't have an orgasm every time. The quality of the orgasms change. And while it's a worthy goal and shouldn't be avoided, it's not the key to their sexual satisfaction. Mm. This, the key For a guy, it's hard to understand because an orgasm is like the punctuation mark. Yeah. You know, like how can it be over if you haven't had an orgasm? We're going to keep going right. until you have it, you know? But for a woman, it's not. So, like, I try to train couples to just say, like, I don't think it's going to happen tonight, you know? And that's okay. Like, you're still having sex. You're still having pleasure. You're still really intimate. She's having a lot of enjoyment. And maybe she may still reach orgasm, but it's not like that's the goal. Yeah. Do you know Chris Ryan, Sex at Dawn guy? No. Oh, he's great. You guys, yeah, you guys appreciate each other. Um, he was mentioning something about, um, he's been in here like a couple times, um, but about how in Western culture, um, there's significantly less incidents. It sounds weird how I'm saying, but like it's harder to get to achieve orgasm for a woman. But as you go someplace where there's not all of the kind of like the rigid Mm -hmm. kind of structures and bounds around sexuality, it's like, oh yeah, it's this natural flowing and I'm orgasming. Yes. Well, that is true to a point. I think for a lot of women, less so I think now than maybe a generation ago, the inhibitions and, and difficulty asking for what you wanted or expressing pleasure or feeling like nice girls don't enjoy it too much, you know, that was definitely something of like our parents' generation, you know, for sure. And even like the over 35ers were definitely affected by that. What I see more symptomatic in the under 35ers in this country, especially among women, is a disconnect from their sexuality. So it's like (laughs) in an effort to be empowered, which I'm all for, you know, and to not subscribe to those inhibitory ideals about gender and what girls, nice girls do and don't do. Like I am a modern empowered woman. I can have sex with whoever I want and as much as I want. Right. And that's true. But what I find is those women aren't having orgasms either. A and B, they can't, they're not really enjoying it. It's like, um, and, and the other thing is that when the sex is good, if she does have an orgasm, her brain, we all have this, men and women, but just men have more testosterone to counteract it. Our brains get watch, washed in oxytocin, which is like that chemical of attachment. 
So she hooks up with some guy who she thinks is hot. She's just going to use for the night. Like, I don't even like him. I don't care if I ever see him again. I'm just going to have fun. It's great sex. And the next day, she doesn't know why she's so bummed he didn't ask for her number. Mm-hmm. And she feels bad about herself. It's because, like, women, it's, it's not in our DNA and our evolutionary history to have lots of casual sex. What's your, what's your thoughts on polyamory versus monogamy? I think it's fine. I don't think monogamy is natural to us. I think serial monogamy is. Yeah, right. I think monogamy was created, monogamy for life was created when we didn't live past 60, you know? And now we live to 100, hopefully, with modern medical technology and health. So know? how do you feel about that in your own relationship? Um, I, it's my intention. Um, you know, if I had my ideal, I've talked to my husband about this, like, and we do this naturally anyway, we're in constant communication, but I would love to see a world where we renew our marriage contract every three years, just like we do all our other contracts. Three years is too long. You do? Every six weeks. (laughs) Well, you have your business meetings about your relationship. You're constantly evaluating. You'll still get lazy after three years. (laughs) You check in three years, you're all fat and you're like, oh crap, I had three years. Yeah, that's Two right. months before the three-year no, contract for now, you start working out. And yeah, I don't think cologne. it does. But I think polyamory is required. Like, I could never do it. Yeah, it sounds I'm like too jealous. I'm too insecure. Like, there, it requires such maturity and security and healthy communication and clear boundaries. And, I mean, you, God bless the people that can do it. I don't think anything's wrong with it if you can do it. But it's hard to do well. Have you had contractual updates with your own marriage have you like looked in and called a called a meeting oh yeah all the time with this thing all the time we do it because you know the way i look at it is that like a relationship is like you know a car on a long you know i come from the midwest like a long midwestern country road you know and you get lazy with life you get complacent you take your hands off the wheel right you're busy doing other things and then the next thing you know the car is off in the cornfields you thought you were going straight and it's like way over there and so the way that i look at it is that the key to a lasting relationship is to notice like you can take your hands off the wheel we're all going to do that but just noticing sooner and rebooting like i'll sometimes just you know that you're just getting at each other you're not aligned or thing and i'll just one of us will call for a reboot and then we're like, okay, clean slate. Like whatever it is that we've been bickering about, like we've talked about a million times, like <laughs> unless it's a big issue, then we would work it out. But usually it's just a need to like, okay, when you reboot. Were, when you were doing the, are you still doing the Oprah stuff? Or is that, that's, that's past? Oh, well, she doesn't have stuff. the show anymore or the radio show. What is, she, what is she doing? She has OWN, which is not, she's not doing a lot of shows. She has Super Soul Sunday. Mm. Is that a podcast? It's um, a, t- a show on OWN every Sunday. But she's, you know, she's relaxing. She's not really doing it. Oh, but I am with Sherry Salata, who is the, was the president of OWN and the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show. She just left there after 25 years to start her own production company. And she has optioned Quantum Love Mm. and we're creating a scripted series based on my life. Cool. Yeah. Damn. That's exciting. Yeah. I like that. Um, While you were doing that, was there a consistent question that you would get from couples or individuals in relation Um, to relationships? Yeah. I mean, I think the most common question every time I talk to a group, it's how often should we be having sex? You know, the most common issue is uneven desire. 
Um, well, you're at, I first, my answer is, first of all, you're only asking that so you can go home and say, see, we should be having more or see, we don't need to have this much. Right. But there's no magic number. What I will say is that you should not go more than a week without that physical, intimate connection. It's kind of like a relationship renewal kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's baseline relationship maintenance and you yeah. definitely shouldn't go more than two weeks. And I am a big fan if you have children or if you both have really busy lives, either or both of those, that you schedule it, that you have something in the calendar, doesn't have to be the same time every week, it can be different, but that you know you can count on. And then other stuff is icing on the cake, but you at least know, because if you wait for it to happen spontaneously in a long term relationship, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. What else? Um... What else did they ask? A lot about um, low desire, in particular around women. Um, that's a big one. Women are more likely to have low desire than men. Um, difficulty reaching orgasm, fantasies, acting out fantasies. What about the, so uh, what is what is the, she just did a thing with Aubrey Marcus and Whitney Miller. Um, her book's called, is it called Untrue? Um, oh crap, I'm spacing her name. Ah! Oh well, anyways, in there she gets, she gets into, it'll, it'll come to me at some point, but she gets into the, um, the likelihood of infidelity with mm -hmm. women being actually much higher than, oh, yeah. at least higher than we think, but higher than men is what she so, argues. Well, now especially, really yeah. high. I mean, ever since women have entered the workforce, it's been gently increasing, but now that even more women than men are financially independent. Right. Which goes against the whole, like, what would make sense from most people's perspective from like an evolutionary perspective, like a woman, she wants to get pregnant and like yeah. have the home and like, <laughs> ten, you know, like she well, wants she to Well, she does, but she's not, and she can have all of that. But she doesn't have, feel the need to stay kind of trapped in a relationship that isn't working. I mean, I'm not a big fan of infidelity. I would rather you break up. And, I, and you know, part of it is social media. That's why Facebook is being listed in one in five divorces now. Because what I see happen is, you know, you're in a relationship. You're going through a stale period or you've been arguing a lot or you've taken your hands off the wheel, whatever it is. And... You are on Facebook and it's like a high school reunion or college reunion on steroids. You know, you're all in touch with each other and you're and you start chatting with that old sweetheart. And before you know it, you're investing all this energy away from your relationship and into that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with an affair. Like, it's either one or the other. And I always say, like, look, if you don't want to stay together, that's fine. You can consciously uncouple. Right. But. Don't send your energy elsewhere. You have to reinvest it in the like I've gone to my husband before and been like, I notice I was just on this airplane and I noticed that there was like a really hot guy next to me that I was really wanting like I was trying not to flirt with. Mm. Like I was kind of feeling attracted in a way that I'm not normally not that I don't find people attractive, I do, but like where, you know, it's a different kind of like kind of thing. Which yeah. I normally like a what if kind of energy, right. you know, which normally I just, I'm committed. And um, I said, so what that tells me is that I really want more spice and flirtatious energy in my life. Like I'm missing that. And I'm making a commitment to create more of that with you. And I hope you're going to join me. Boom. Done. Hmm. You know, but I just had to be honest and tell him what I wanted and what I was willing to do. Yeah. So do you think that the infidelity thing is 
um, like a natural stage within like infidelity is not it being a bad thing. You could be honest with it, like yeah. the sensation that you're feeling like like yeah. wandering. But is that a natural thing in a oh, relationship? Yeah. I mean, we're not really, when they look, really, and this is just from an evolutionary perspective, we are programmed for serial monogamy, where when your youngest child is of an age, usually around age three, when they're kind of more self-sufficient or in caveman terms, could hop on your back while you go about hunting and gathering again, right? Then you would move on to a new bond. Like, it was, it the the... The anthropologists who study this have said, believe that we, this is our original sex contract, that she said to him, look, I can promise that this baby is definitely yours and your genes. And in exchange, because I can't take care of us while the baby's really small and gather the nuts and berries and protect us, you're going to do that. Bring home the hunt, protect us, feed us. And in exchange, I'm only going to be with you and you're only going to give your resources and energy to me. And then when that baby got to be three and she could throw it on its back and go back, then they would move on to another pair bond. Mm. And that's really, and if you look at divorce rates around the country, it's usually when the youngest child is about three years old. And that's when the seven-year itch happens usually too. Interesting. Because you've had, you've been together a while, you've had a few kids, your youngest is three years old. We got to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Could talk forever in this boiling hot freaking sun. How do we? It's good for you. <laughs> you're, you're developing heat it. shock proteins. It's good for your stuff. Now you're going to throw me in that freezing cold thing. Would probably. you get in the, into I the cold plunge? Would. You want At to. This point, you wouldn't I would. say that if you didn't want no, to. I, I didn't think I wanted to, but I unconsciously did. Jump in so there. Hot. Isn't that funny how we do that? Yeah. You're like, that's what women do, I think. Oh, we do it all the time. I'm that's, so passive aggressive. That's it's another... only those of us who, are con- <laughs> who, who never felt comfortable asking for what we wanted because no one ever listened. Hmm. Say that again. <laughs> Those of us who were raised in environments where our needs, like our emotional needs, and you know, weren't really honored, or we were made fun of, or they weren't met, or people didn't really care for us, it's hard for us to ask for what we want. And mm. I don't. And it took me years to realize because I would consider myself someone who's pretty ballsy about asking what she wants. But half the time, I don't even like just now about the cold thing. No, you passively asked. I didn't. No, I didn't even realize I wanted to. Oh. Like I wasn't like trying to manipulate. I would have just said, "Hey, I want to get in that freezing cold bath." Yeah, if right. I had been conscious of it, but it's not even conscious. It wasn't until you said, "Hey, you should get in there," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to get in there." Mm. That's like what they do in various different other countries, where it's like they they'll offer you a drink or mm-hmm. come in, eat, you know, mm-hmm. come for dinner or whatever. Um, and, and then you have to say, no, have no, to no. Say, no, 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 no. I know. I and screw that, that up the, all the time. It gives them the option. But if you just say, if you just say, yeah, of course they're yeah. like, this guy's a real asshole. I know. And, and I have a friend. A man and he just comes in like a jerk. And then the reverse is true. <laughs> I have a, a friend, a Persian friend who would like, laugh about this now, but she would come over. I'd be like, do you want a drink? Can I give you tea? And she's like, no, no, no. I'm like, seriously, would you? No, no, no. And I was like, okay. You yeah. know, uh, and okay. she's like, what a cunt. Yeah. She doesn't want me to have tea. <laughs> right. I just wanted to have some tea. We just I had know. to do that two more times. Yeah. I really would have been I'm fine. I'm like, just freaking tell me you want the tea. <laughs> All right. Communication. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I've you're been, getting in. It's already happened. I am. Yeah, you're right, already, you've scared. already blazed the path. All right. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this bitch up. Thanks so much for uh, sweating it out. 
thank you coming into the we should call it a line doesn't work anymore that we're doing the sauna yeah i don't know i don't know sweat i'm not lines. creative enough sweat a lot no that's not i'm gonna have to work on that yeah yeah we'll see it sweaty secrets. getting sweaty oh. with aaron oh. how about that yeah that's good be and good. if you want to get sweaty outside a sauna and learn how to really step into your sexual power uh, at the Human Garage, which I know you've talked about on mm-hmm. this before, um, Anella, who's the co-founder, and I, the first weekend in May, are doing an Ecstasy Unleashed weekend for women. Mm. That'd be really fun. Yeah. You can't come, but if you know any women, mm. we'll have one for couples and men later. All right. We, I think you need to, yeah, I feel a little, a little outcasted right I now. Know. We need I'm to do sorry. something about that. That's okay. That's good. Men have taken enough no, over the no. years. Well, well I, I, as a mom of three boys, I feel like men don't need to get the short end. We'll have one for men too no, and one men for have couples. It. I think generally speaking, I mean, this is just for another conversation, but generally speaking, the, the people that seem to have the most in a lot of ways, I think have it the hardest because you don't get to... Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things with it, but one, like you learn through controversy, Yeah, you know, you learn by having something to push back against. And if your whole world's kind of like paved for you, right, it's really it fucking dangerous. Yeah. Anyways. I don't right. like being friends with anyone who's not people, friends with their shadows. Where do people find your stuff? Where do people learn more? Um, DrLaraBerman.com cool. is the easiest or following me on all the different platforms all at things. Dr. Laura Berman. Cool. Sweet. Do you have... Um, oh, and the radio show, Uncovered Radio. Uncovered Radio. Yeah, you can find it. Uh, it streams live. There's a podcast called Too Risque for Radio. Mm. But that's at uncoveredradio.com. Sweet. If you, you mentioned potentially doing something on the other end with me. Yes, if I we, want you if to we come do on that, for sure. I'll, I'll release, if, if, if we do that, if, if not, I'll just cut that part out, but I only said that because you said that. Um, but I can release this at the same time, so we can kind of, cool. people can jump over to that if they want. Good deal. Bam. We won't do it in a sauna, though. Oh, <laughs> I only do it in a sauna. That's, the, that's my rule for podcasting. Oh. Right. Over now. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we got a couple things to help support that body of yours, one of which is the Align Band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band, comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then a online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at alignpodcast.com gear uh, on Amazon. And you can also find it line band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um, modern world is is stricken by, uh, gets into how to align your physical body. So self-care, joint by joint, from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck, etc. Really good stuff. Also gets into lifestyle, um, gets into morning routines, nighttime routines, how to effectively handstand, how to move on the ground. Um, People have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.